Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Of like those old friends, how we want to reconnect. 
with them. Uh, but I think this is probably less of the case than maybe last year and even last semester. But we're a little bit out of practice uh, when it comes to being friends and maybe especially making new friends. Uh, our muscles maybe have like been out of tone or a little bit out of shape. Like what does this even mean to do friendship? And maybe we have new ideas about what our priorities are friendship, maybe new definitions uh, of friendship. The other thing, this is not new, but it's definitely something to acknowledge that we are living in a digital age where online friendships are a reality. And I'm not going to get up here and talk badly about the internet or <laughs> anything like that. Uh, but let's be honest, it, it, it's, it's complicated. It's a different arena. There's sort of this like, uncharted territory when it comes to friendship. Um, of course, the, the digital landscape allows us for the kind of faux intimacy. Um, I think it's funny. We, we probably know more about Rihanna and her pregnancy uh, than we do maybe about the person that we sit next to in class, or maybe even the person we're sitting next to right now. Uh, we have this faux sense of intimacy with really anyone we want, but especially celebrities and influencers, people who put themselves out there. Um, and vice versa, we can kind of put ourselves out there, but it's always kind of curated. Um, at the same time, it allows us to connect with a ton of different people. Like, uh, I've been recently exposed to just like the Twitch world and people streaming themselves gaming. And I know, like, I have friends who, like, they just have their buddies. Uh, and they all know each other by their, like, you know, game handles, right? They probably know each other's last names. Um, but, but, you know, I think real friendships can form uh, out of that. I have uh, uh, people in my extended family who have met and dated and gotten married online through apps. Uh, maybe you guys are already doing that. Um, but there are a lot of good things to say. But it is a reality that's new. Um, the last thing, the third thing that I think is kind of part of our present landscape of friendships is Christian. Um, and this isn't necessarily a new thing. Uh, Christians have been around for thousands of years, right? But I think we need to recognize that there are realities that are true for everyone, whether you're a Christian or not. They're kind of unique realities when it comes to being a Christian and making friends, especially with other Christians. Um, I was reading this book, and uh, this guy, Jonathan Holmes, talked about the difference between fellowship and friendship. Uh, are you at, what's the F stand for, stands for fellowship? Uh, it can kind of be the Christian-y way of understanding, oh, you're Christian friends. But let's be honest, and maybe just reflect on this yourself. Are your Christian fellowships that you see maybe on a weekly basis, maybe on Sundays, are they your friends? And why is that the case or not? Um, this, this is, I'm kind of presenting the problems and we're going to spend our rest of the time talking about like some solutions. I think, so, so y'all, and, and before, before you get the sense that I'm like going to come down hard or like, this is totally me in college. Like I had my Christian people that I saw like two times a week. And then I have the friends that are actually going to hang out with me. 
Okay, so, so I, I've been there, I, I know what that's like. Um, but let's talk about that. Why is that? This disconnect between the fellowship, these Christians that you have, you have Jesus in common, right? You have a shared religion, you have this, you know, one of the most deep and personal things you can have is your, your faith, right? And you share that with your fellowship. But rarely do we have this overlap of friendship and fellowship in Christ. I think there are a few reasons why judgmentalism and judging. Uh, our, our gospel is maybe uh, truncated, it's weak. We, we show up at a Christian event, maybe show up tonight. I, I, I'm so sorry if this has ever been your experience at our event, but maybe you feel judged. Maybe you feel self-conscious. What are other people thinking? Uh, maybe that leads you to fear, fearfulness. Can I be friends with these people? Can these people accept me? <coughs> I think oftentimes there's, there's a lack of vulnerability among Christian fellowship. And this can mean we, we're in fellowship with one another, but we're not friends. We can be nice to each other, because that, that's what we think, you know, Christians are supposed to be nice. But we're not real. We're not real. Um, and I think part of the problem here is that we are ignorant, or, or maybe just even um, haven't had our eyes open to the possibility of the death of Christian friendship. So part of the premise of, of what I'm talking about tonight is that this overlap between fellowship, which is a good thing, in Christ, and friendship, which is this kind of common grace God has given to everyone, when you find friends who are Christian, there's a potential to go deeper, to go further, and to fulfill God's purpose for your life in a way that maybe we haven't yet explored. But guys, this is not just a problem in fellowships like RUF. This is a problem in the church. It's been a problem for a long time. Thankfully, God knows. God knows our issues. God knows how we judge each other. God knows how we struggle with friendship and Christian community. So, let's talk about the purpose of friendship and the power. The first passage we looked at was Ecclesiastes. It's a storehouse of wisdom. If you ever want, just like, just to be shook <laughs> with some wisdom, right? Um, my dad, from time to time, would get out Ecclesiastes and just like blow us all away. Like, whoa, it's crazy. Um, this, is, this is a little bit lighter one, right? This is a little piece. Um, if you go deeper into Ecclesiastes, it's a wild book. Um, but it says this, it says that two are better than one. And it gives these reasons why, right? It says that um, two are better, they're better able to help each other, to keep each other warm and safe. Um, but it would be far too superficial to say that's the reason we should be friends. Because you need someone else for these practical reasons, right? Or maybe kind of odd in today's culture. Um, friends are more than what they practically provide. Uh, if your definition of friendship is kind of like networking, where there's this kind of mutual understanding, like, hey, I'm getting something from you, you're getting something from me, this kind of transactional relationship, that's not exactly what friendship is. 
we need to be careful of reduction. Right? If friendship is about um, getting a job, if friendship is about uh, getting in with the cool kids, if friendship is about just playing your online game, then it's been reduced to something less than what it could be. Just to kind of expand our vision, uh, friendship is about God's glory. It's about God's glory. Everything that God has made, including all relationships, are for God's glory. But to reduce friendship to the practical benefits that a person brings, those are true. You can't sum up the purpose, then this is the term I just made up, but uh, the just because of friendship. Why are you friends? Sure, I think a lot of us could say, like, yeah, I mean, we like to do the same things, we, we enjoy the same movies, we have the same sense of humor, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there's like a just because. Just because. And I think this is such a glorious thing. It's a part of God's grace and this design that he made the possibility for these relationships that are just fun. Friendship. You're not required be friends. You're not born in the friends. They sort of happen. They're just because of God's grace to our better. Life is better because of friends. Um, sometimes, uh, so one time I, I heard a guy who had been married a couple decades say that his wife still loves him, but she rarely likes him. Let's unpack that for a little bit. Like, sometimes love can have this obligatory quality, right? Where it's like, you're supposed to, as a Christian, love your neighbor. Uh, you're supposed to love your enemy. You're supposed to love your parents, etc., etc. Um, but to like someone or something, that's sort of, it, it, might, it might sound like we're, we're lessening it, right? It's not as heavy. But there's just a delight. It's like, I like that. I like that. There's a joy and admiration. There's laughter. Um, C.S. Lewis says it so well that um, when you realize that you... Okay, I'll just read this quote. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Oh, wow, cool. Like you discover it. You happen upon it. And you like the other person. You like it. Um, in First Samuel 18, we see an example of friendship. It's one of these like, classic examples in Scripture of this deep friendship between David, who was the anointed king of Israel, but he had not yet become king, uh, and then the son of the current king, King Saul, his name is Jonathan. And this is an unlikely friendship. Uh, there's not a lot of reason given why they became friends, and such deep friends as that, right? It says that uh, lo loves him as his own soul. Wow. Okay, this is a deep friendship, but it's an unlikely one. Think about it. If you, if you read through, or maybe don't think about it, just, just, just go back and read the story of First Samuel. Uh, 
Saul and David were arch enemies. And Jonathan was Saul's cousin. Like, who had the power? It was still King Saul. So Jonathan risked his own life to maintain this friendship through thick and thin. He never gave up being friends with David to the very end. They clearly, like, just, they didn't like each other. They hit it off. They were like, dude, you're my bro. Like, you and I were sticking together. This is friendship. The God given just because, kind of saying, life is better with friends. In the book, and later it became a movie, Into the Wild, wild um, he, he went to Emory and then he graduated and moved to the wilderness of Alaska. You can have seen this movie or read this book. Um, his name is Chris McCandless. It's a really tragic and sad story, but he, he, he adventured in the wilderness of Alaska and he ran into a lot of uh, you know, fun people and grizzly bears and too. Uh, but he died after eating poisonous berries alone. And his journal was found, and some of the words in that journal these. Happiness is only real and shared. We can go on these adventures. We can do fun things in life. We can go try to find happiness on our own, but friends make it better. With others, we can experience a more full happiness. Guys, we're just starting by saying, like, God wants to give you that. It is a gift out of his grace to give you friends. So we should thank him for it. Two indeed are better than one. Let's talk about the power of friendship. What is God's will for you? When I was a college student, after college, like this is the burning question. What is God? I usually had to do with my vocation. Like, what is God's will for me? And I had a friend, uh, the first year I was out of college, say that his college professor, who was in the middle of Christian college, said, Did you know that there's a Bible verse that directly states what God's will for you? This is a secret. Mark it in your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 4 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That's another way to say God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be holy. Another way to say it is God wants you to be like Jesus. In fact, when he saved you, when you entered into the family of God, he's already beginning that process of over time, gradually, that there are a lot of ups and downs in making you into the likeness of Jesus. You're a Christian, and that's your destiny. That's uh, what God is doing in your life. That's his will for you. The power of Christian friendship, most of the time we're going to be talking about Christian friendship, has untold potential for this end, becoming like Jesus. Often friends are seen as, you know, they're there for fun and enjoyment, right? And, and I, I hope you hear me say yes and amen to that. But what happens when things stop being fun? 
What if those friendships no longer bring you that joy, where the just because of it isn't enough? I think the pandemic kind of exposed that, right? It's hard to maintain friendships with people that you don't like run into or see. It's hard to maintain the, maybe the number, maybe an unhealthy number of friendships that we try to maintain. Online friends, they can see what you post, and you can see your real posts. But do they see what's underneath? Do they see what's going on with our bodies, internally, how we treat people, in the moments that we don't want other people to see us? Friendship is meant to be embodied. It's meant to be a physical experience. And let's be honest with ourselves. Um, when, uh, when you think of like Christian friends, uh, being just Christian, <laughs> if I can coin that phrase, just Christian, right? So that's kind of nice, but not real. Um, that kind of friendship, guys, is bankrupt. It is bankrupt. And it's sucking the soul out of you showing up to any Christian. Because you're like, you're not my friend. I go, do I feel like I have to? But guys, what if, what if they became your friend? What if the people who knew the friend of sinners, what if people who knew so deeply what it's like to be forgiven, what it's like to be loved, this undying love. What if those same people were also your friends? Wouldn't that be amazing? Because friendship is for God's glory, and its purpose is most fully realized when our friendships most reflect God's character. I want to say that sentence again. Because friendship is for God's glory, that's its purpose. Then its purpose is most fully realized when our friendships most reflect God's character. Friendships are empowering towards holiness. Jesus called us to a higher love, a greater love, when he said, as we saw in our first week, greater love is known that, that someone laid down his life for his friend. And then he said to us, you are my friend. And then he went. Because Christ has called us friends and he died for us so that we could live for him. Christian friendship has infinite potential for transformative work in first our heart and then in the world. What about untapped potential? First off, I'm like, okay, what does that look like internally to me? Uh, C.S. Lewis, um, we, we talked about uh, you know the different kinds of love in the book before love. And he talked a lot about eros, you know, the romantic love, which you know in, in marriage it, he says it's a it's a, um, uh, it's a it's a naked love, like physical nakedness is part of that love, right? Uh, but friendship is not a physical nakedness; it's a it's a personality that's naked. Right, just, just maybe if that doesn't help you understand. What I'm talking about is vulnerable. What I'm talking about is being real. 
Isn't that the beauty of, isn't that like one of the most precious qualities of a real friendship? I don't care what I say, what I look like, like how I smell, like this dude, this girl, they're my friends. And that's what I want. You let my hair down. I don't have to worry about being judged. I don't have to worry about feeling shame. Like your naked personality. And because this is true of the best friendship, isn't it amazing to think of a, a Christian friend who knows that you're committed to God's glory, you're committed to His will for you, His holiness, your holiness. What if they, they see you, who you really are, and they say, "Hey, man, you can tell you're kind of going hard." that other friend who looks hard and maybe need to back off. This is there. Where they can speak the truth to you because they see you as you are. Those kind of friends that you can you can say, hey, I'll pray for you and you actually mean it. You actually need to do it together. And it's not just an over formal, full of this Christian language kind of prayer, but a deep down the earth, I know you intimately, I'm crying with you kinds of prayer, where you can share your sin struggles, your dreams, your sorrows, where um, one, one pastor says that you, you give your friend a license, and in, they said a hunting license, I don't think that tracks here in Boston, I don't think we do a lot of hunting, uh, but the license would basically say, like, I can sin, and I'm going to point it out, and it goes both places, right, it can never be just a one-sided where you say, I know that we are both committed to becoming a Christ. Please join me. Giving you that license. This requires radical vulnerability and humility. What happens when we experience that kind of friendship and it starts to transform our hearts? What happens out in the world? What happens when we start to befriend like Christ? Christ's friends, Jesus' friends betrayed him. Jesus' friends avoided being associated with him. Jesus' friends doubted him. But he was loyal to them to the end. Guys, those friends that he was with in that last supper went and became the first missionary. And how did they go? Mark 6, and this is actually prior to that supper, so don't get the chronology messed up, but, but how did Jesus send his disciples when he first sent them? In Mark 6, it says that he sent them two by two. I don't know how he selected the two. I don't know if it was self-selecting or he chose. But he didn't send them alone. That. But he sent them, notice that, so that they would be fully dependent on God's provision for their food, shelter, and even clothing. They didn't even bring extra clothes, extra hoodies, blankets. Talk about a way to form a lasting friendship. To be sent out where you're practically homeless, and you're dependent on God fully for everything. And you're telling people about Jesus. 
can imagine that deep friendship, that form. And guys, that has been a generative influence in the world. That is how we are Christians today, because friends have gone out and have shared the gospel. Churches are planted by friends coming together and preaching the gospel. Movements are started by friends coming together, being sent by Jesus on a mission towards his gospel. What would it look like to see a revival of Christian friendship? Where you can show up to a Christian fellowship and know that you have friends there, deep friends, who love you and care for you, where you can you can be yourself and not be judged. What is RUF with more than just a place of nice Christians, but a place where there were true Christian friends? What if? Let's think about that. Let's pray for that. What if we were this gathering of friends around the true friend, Jesus, on a mission from him to change the world? Let's pray for that now. Father, heal us. Lord, we need to relearn in so many ways what it looks like to be a friend. And Lord, I confess that it is hard. That it is not easy to humble myself, to, to be vulnerable, to repent to others, to show that I actually need but I need other people. Two are better than one. Lord, we pray that you would just transform our lives so that we experience Christian friendship and that friendship would change the world. We pray this all in Jesus.